Good morning. Welcome to New Life. We're so glad you're here today. For those of you who don't know, I'm Pastor Chris, the lead pastor. I just got back from Israel last Sunday night. And ever since I went into ministry, pastors have been telling me, you need to go to Israel because if you go there, when you go there, and you see everything there, you'll never preach the same again. And they were more than right. Uh, In fact, I'll never be the same again. I accepted Jesus when I was 12 years old. And I've always believed that Jesus, you know, walked on water. I've always believed that he healed sick people, that he taught with an authority like no one else, that he raised people from the dead, and that he rose from the dead. But having walked in places where Jesus walked, having seen the place where Jesus might have been crucified, they don't know for sure where he probably was buried, seeing a place, actually standing in a place where he might have risen up into the heavens after he rose from the dead, it's just so much more tangible than it's ever been before. And uh, anyway... It's good to be back. It's so good to be back. I, I, I mean, it wasn't really that good to be back on Sunday night when I left 90-degree temperatures in Israel and came to a 34-degree temperature at the airport, but I'm, I'm really glad to be back with you this morning. We're in the middle of this very important series called The Four Wills of God, and Pastor Brad has done a great job of introducing the first two wills, which the first will of God is that we believe in Jesus Christ, His Son, and the second will of God is that we give thanks to God in everything. Now today we're going to turn to the third will of God, which is simply this. It is to submit in doing right. And there's a collective groan in the church family. Really submit. We're going to talk about the S word. Now, Pastor Chris, don't you realize how many people have been abused in the name of submission over the years? Husbands abuse their wives. Parents abuse their children. Church leaders abuse church people. Government officials abuse everybody. How in the world can you talk about submission? Well, one of, the apostles, uh, one of the apostles of Jesus, Peter, and he wasn't one who was known for a submissive will, told us in his first letter to the church that it is God's will for us to submit in doing right. And we're going to turn there, but before we do, let's look at the take-home point. The take-home point, for those of you who are new or watching online for the first time, and if you are watching online for the first time, we're so glad you're with us today. But the take-home point is the one point I'm going to make in the message, and we're going to take it home. That's why it's called a take-home point. Pray about it, think about it, and hopefully live it out in the week ahead. And here it is. God's Word commands us to submit in doing right because it isn't natural. If you and I came out of our mother's womb saying, yes, Mommy, right away, Daddy, then we wouldn't need to be told to submit in doing right. But the Apostle Peter knew that wasn't the case. In fact, as our uh, message series that we recently completed, uh, Inside Out, told us, we have a sin nature. We have uh, sinful desires inside of us. And even after we trust Jesus as Savior and Lord and are born again, that doesn't go away. There's a struggle going on in there. And so it isn't natural to submit in doing right to whatever authority it might be. And uh, what we also need to recognize is we live in a culture um, that doesn't even know that there is any right or wrong necessarily. Uh, Everything sort of blends together. But I want to tell you an assumption we make here at New Life. We assume that Jesus' teachings are right, and we assume that what he tells us is true. Now, why would we do that? Well, it's because when a guy tells you that he is going to die on a cross to pay the sins of humanity and rise from the dead three days later, and he does it, (laughs) then we're pretty much going to go with whatever he says is true and right. Now, after Jesus rose from the dead, he went back to heaven, and he said that he was going to send his Holy Spirit, and he kept that promise. And Peter was one of 120 people who received the Holy Spirit uh, 10 days after Jesus returned to heaven. 
And when Peter received the Holy Spirit, he was empowered in a new way, a way that he had never lived his life before. He had always been sort of impetuous, you know, one moment hot, one moment cold. But now the rest of his life, he devoted himself to telling people about Jesus, the Messiah, that is the anointed one of God, the one who would be Lord and Savior of all people. And as we read today from one of two letters that Peter wrote to the church in general, to the followers of Jesus in general who lived in his day, we're going to see what he says about submitting to authorities. Before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your goodness and love. I thank you, God, for the opportunity to be here today with my church family, to be able to uh, open up your word and to be able to hear from Peter what it means to submit to authorities and, and why that's your will. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be the true communicator this morning in each of our hearts and that we will uh, draw closer to you as a result of being here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Peter writes, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will, here it is, for it is God's will that by doing good or right, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. So right in the middle of Peter's admonition to respect authority, he says this. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. As Pastor Brad pointed out over the first two weeks of this series, God has a universal will. That is a will that's for everybody. In fact, there are four of those wills that we find written in the words of Jesus, the words of Peter and Paul. And that's what we're looking at during this series. And the first will is that we are to believe in Jesus Christ, God's Son. Until we do that... We will never know what God's unique will is. See, the universal will is what he wants everybody to do. The unique will is the will for you and me. When we become followers of Jesus Christ, we start to live into God's unique will for us. In fact, the apostle Paul said this. He said that we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good works that he planned for us long ago. Now, we might assume that those good works are all the same for everybody, but they're not. In fact, I was given specific works to do. One of those is, has been to be the lead pastor of New Life. You have been given specific works to do in your life. Now, we have a lot of freedom within that. We can choose where we want to live. We can choose whether we get married, who we marry. We can choose so many different things. But God will reveal his specific will to us as we live out his universal will. In fact, this is the most important statement in the entire series, really. And that is we only discover God's unique will as we live out his universal will in our lives. If we really want to know what God wants for, for me, for you, individually, we have to first decide and commit and then live in the power of the Holy Spirit, God's universal will for us. If we don't trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, we will never know God's unique will for us consistently. So, Pastor Chris, are you saying that Buddhists and atheists can't know and, and live out the unique will of God in their lives? No, I'm not saying that. Jesus said that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God the Father except through me. And so until we live into that truth, that will for us, then the unique will of God is not going to be revealed to us. In the same way, until we give thanks in every circumstance, 
We are, which is God's universal will for us, as the Apostle Paul wrote, as Pastor Brad preached about last week. For we are, uh, it says, um, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Until we do that, we're not going to know God's unique will for us. Now, that does not mean when it says to give thanks in, in, uh, for you in Christ Jesus in everything. It doesn't mean give thanks for everything. Everything isn't good. Yesterday's events in Pittsburgh in the synagogue, that was terrible. That was not good. But we can give thanks to God in the circumstance, not for the circumstance. Now, today, what we're going to look at is what Peter said about this will of God in submitting and doing right. I'm going to read the words I already read once again. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good or right, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. We need to define what it means to submit as, as far as Peter was talking about here. The word that's used is, is a word that means to voluntarily submit uh, oneself under the authority of another. So submit means to voluntarily put myself under the authority of somebody else. That's what it means for you. You're going you're gonna, to, we might be equals, but I'm going to voluntarily submit myself or put myself under the authority of someone else. The key word here is voluntarily. It isn't submission if you have no choice. It isn't submission if you're manipulated or deceived. It is only submission when we voluntarily, of our own free will, choose that we are going to put ourselves under the authority of someone else. And what Peter says is that we need to do this for every governing authority. And we didn't read this, but if we had read a little farther, he would tell the slaves to submit to their masters. He would tell wives to submit to their husbands. And he tells husbands to submit to our wives. And then he goes on in chapter 4 to say this. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good or to do right. So again, he's talking about God's will. In this case, sometimes when we do the right thing, we suffer. We think that if we do the right thing, we ought to you know, be blessed. And we ought to be blessed, but it doesn't always work that way in a fallen world. So in a fallen world, sometimes we'll do the right thing and we'll suffer for it. And Peter says, even when we do that, it's God's will for us. So the biggest challenge... The biggest challenge that we in this room watching online, if you're from America, are going to have when it comes to submitting to any authority is that we live in the most individualistic and the most um, independent culture probably ever known to humanity. Uh, It's you do you, I'll do me. As long as I'm not in your face, you're not in my face. What's the difference, right? Well, here's the difference. We were created for relationship with God and one another. And in the order of creation, God established authority. God established authority. There there is a hierarchy that God has established, and that means he also established submission because everyone can't be in charge. Now, that's a long statement. If you look it up there, it's pretty long. Actually, it's two statements. And the point is the world looks the way it does because Adam and Eve decided not to obey their only authority they had, God, their heavenly father. They had a perfect relationship. They had a, a perfect life, and yet they decided that they wanted to exert their own authority, and they rejected God. And so what does that mean? It means that I don't like rules. I'm a son of Adam and Eve, you know. I mean, my great, 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 they didn't like authority. I hate rules. I don't like authority unless I'm in it, right? I mean, isn't that the way it is? You don't probably like authority that much unless you're in authority. But it doesn't matter what I like. God didn't consult me when he ordered the universe, and he didn't consult you. 
when he ordered the universe. So we love the gifts of God. We love the blessings of God. We love the salvation that Jesus died on the cross to give us. But do you realize in the very death Jesus died on the cross, he showed us the greatest example of submission in the history of the universe. Here's how the Apostle Paul put it. You must have the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born to, as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus gave up his divine privileges. Wow. We would have never done that. I mean, if you were in heaven, everything's perfect. You have unity with the Father and the Spirit. When he says, okay, Jesus, time to go to earth. In fact, where he told him to go to earth? Israel? Are you kidding me? I've been to Israel now. Most of it's desert. It's not a very fun place to live. Now, he did get to live in Galilee, which was a little nicer. But still, I mean, you compare heaven to any place on earth. And yet Jesus submitted himself to do what was right to come here, live a perfect life, the life we never could live, and to die on the cross, the death we should have died. And that is the kind of submission that Peter is talking about. He saw his Lord do that, and now he's saying that's what we're supposed to do. And the thing is, when I think about how hard it is to live as a Christian in America today, sometimes I get a little embarrassed when I think about how hard I think it is. I mean, we had to wait five weeks for the galaxy to open, right? We, we had, to, the week before I left for Israel, I got two letters in the mail from folks from the church. They signed them, so I read them. I don't write, read anonymous notes, but I do read ones that are signed. The first one told me what a terrible pastor I was. I used to be a great pastor, but they feel sorry for me now because how terrible of a pastor I've become. The other one told me what a wonderful pastor I am and how wonderful it is to have a pastor who cares so much. When there's so many people, how can you love each of us so much? So who was right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think either one was quite right. But the point is, that's not suffering. Here's what suffering is. Peter and Paul, they were subjected to Peter crucifixion, Paul having his head chopped off. That is suffering. And yet, both of them told us to obey the governing authorities, to submit to the governing authorities. Now, here's the question. Should we always submit to governing authorities and to pastors and to parents and to teachers and to people in authority over us? And here's the answer. No. We should not always submit to authority. Here's, here's why I can say that. Because Peter and Paul, who told us to submit to the authority, they were executed by that same authority because they wouldn't bow down to Caesar, the ultimate governing authority in that day, because to do so would have been to reject Jesus. So here's the truth we take from that. Our submission to human authority ends when to submit to it would be to disobey Jesus. If somebody asks us to do something that would be to disobey Jesus, we can't do it. Peter and Paul are great examples. They followed the governing authority. They went to jail. They did whatever it was they were told to do until Caesar said, you have to bow down in front of me and proclaim me as God. And they said, no, we can't do that. Now, I'm going to read you a story, an account that comes from Acts chapter 5 about a wife who should not have submitted to her husband's authority. And, and here it is. It's a scary story. I'm just going to tell you, sort of Halloween kind of story, right? Because two people are going to die. And seemingly, 
You don't think they should die. But anyway, so their names are Ananias and Sapphira. They're a couple. They're married. They have a property, and they sell it. Now, they sell the property, and they give some of the proceeds to the church, to Peter, actually, so that the church can you know, prosper. And you go, wow, that's a good story. That sounds really generous, but not so much because they sold it for this much, and then they kept some for themselves, and they gave this much to the church, to Peter, but they said that this was the whole amount. You see what they did? They were lying. They were deceiving, trying to deceive and make themselves look good, like we brought the whole amount, but they kept some back for themselves. So here's what happened. It says, then Peter said, as Ananias hands him the money, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wish. So what's the first thing he's saying? You didn't have to sell the property. You could have kept it if you wanted to. It was yours. Then he says, and after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. So you could have given some away. You could have given all of it away. You didn't, you didn't have to give any of it away. I mean, it was your money. But it says, how could you do a thing like this? You weren't living, lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. <laughs> True that, right? Okay, so then here's what happens. About three hours later, his wife, Sapphira, came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? The false price. Now, what she should have done is she should have come out from under the submission to her husband, and she should have told the truth. But here's what actually happened. Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. Now, we could draw a lot of conclusions from that account, right? But here's one. When we are submitting to an authority, it must never be to do something in direct disobedience to Jesus. Sapphira was submitting to her husband's authority, willingly or unwillingly, we don't know. But she did something wrong. When our boss at work says, you need to fudge the, the books a little bit because we need, a, we need to show a, a better bottom line, you can't do that. When your parent says you need to steal something, whether, you know, whether real or, or, or just by deceit, you can't do that. When a pastor tells you we need to sort of water the gospel down so we can get more people to come, can't do that. We cannot do something to, to uh, disobey God in order to obey an authority. That's the principle that we find here. But I don't think that's the biggest challenge that we face. Again, as American Christians, I think we face a far bigger challenge, and we're going to talk about it. We've already mentioned it. We're going to talk about it again as we bring this plane in for a landing. So we don't like submitting to those in authority over us if we disagree with their decision, their direction, or their details. You see, if it's God's will for us to submit in doing right, it doesn't matter if we agree with a decision. It doesn't matter if we agree with a direction or a detail of the decision. Now, I know we're Americans and we want to vote on everything. But if an authority figure, a parent, a teacher, a governor, a president, a, a pastor, a, a parent, anybody who's in authority over us makes a decision and it doesn't contradict the will of Jesus, that's the key. It doesn't contradict the will of Jesus, then we're obligated to do it. 
I know that doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to me either. But what Peter is saying here is obey the governing authorities, obey your master if you're a slave, you know, submit to your husband, submit to your wife. It went down the list like that. And again, he would also say, as Paul did, you know, submit to your parents as to the Lord. And so as we look at all of these things in the back of our mind, we're saying, I don't want to do that. Well, I don't want to do that, too. I don't want to do that any more than you do. But if we're going to do the will of God, the universal will of God, so that he will express his unique will in each of our lives, we're called to do that. And so that's why today's next step is I will submit in doing right this week. I will submit in doing right this week. Now, I wrote this message about a week and a half before I went to Israel. And um, I was about two-thirds of the way done. I knew where I was headed with it. And I went out for a drive, and I saw a white sign with two numbers on it, 35. It was a speed limit sign. And I realized something. I had never believed in those signs. In fact, I, I, I think 35 is a suggested starting point for a speed when you're in a speed zone, right? And, and then I realized something. Nobody consulted me before they put a 35-mile-an-hour speed limit sign there. Nobody asked me what I thought or what I, you know, cared about. Nobody, nobody cared who was in authority. But was that contrary to the will of Jesus? No, it wasn't. And, and I have to realize, I mean, I, I'd like to think that 2-5 is contrary to the will of Jesus, but it isn't contrary to the will of Jesus, and so I, I, I never had seen this implication before. And what I had to do was ask myself a question. Do I want to submit to God in doing right in this little thing? Or do I just want to disobey God? And so for the last three weeks, thank God, ten days I was in Israel. Um, and I, I, I was in a tour bus, so I didn't get to drive. Um, I've been driving the speed limit or lower. It's terrible. Uh, I am getting better gas mileage, I will tell you that. Uh, but if you submit to God in doing right in everything that doesn't directly contradict the will of Jesus, it's going to mess up your life. You're going to need the Holy Spirit a lot more than you've ever needed the Holy Spirit. I, I didn't believe I needed the Holy Spirit to drive, but I do. You, you're probably going to find some things that you need the Holy Spirit to do that you didn't think you needed. But you're going to need to lean into him because here's the thing. If we take this next step seriously... Simple thing, I will submit in doing right this week. Uh, we're we're going to be submitting to God to do some things that we disagree with, some things that we don't like the decision, we don't like the direction, we don't like the details, and it might be a parent, and it might be a teacher, and it, it might be a, you know, the president, it might be me. But as long as it's not contrary to the will of Jesus Christ, then we're called to do that. Now imagine what's going to happen in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our church. In our world, if people who say they follow Jesus Christ did this simple thing, and not only will it change the world, but then God will start to reveal more and more of his unique will for our lives. Because when we do his universal will, he always reveals to us more of his unique will because he knows he can trust us with it. Amen? Now realize you just said amen to driving the speed limit this week. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness and love. Thank you so much that you love us enough to give us boundaries in our lives. Thank you that whether we uh, think some things are right or wrong, as long as they're not against your will, the, the will of your son Jesus, 
um, that when we do them, you will be pleased. And not only that, but you will reveal to us more of your unique will for us. We pray for that this week. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. We're really going to need it in order to fulfill this promise to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.